I'm Laura Harper-Lake. And I'm Sarah Reitzman, and you're you're listening listening to Creative Guts. Hey friends, thanks for tuning into this episode of Creative Guts. In today's episode, we'll be talking with visual artist Mike Howitt. Mike is primarily a painter who dabbles in curation and is engaged in growing the art scene in New England. Let's jump right into this episode of Creative Guts with Mike Howitt. Mike, thanks so much for being on Creative Guts. We're so happy to have you. Thank you so much for having me. So Mike doesn't know this yet, but he came highly recommended for the podcast from Amy Regan, who was a recent guest on the podcast and uh, a good friend of mine and Laura's. She's amazing. She's pretty great. She is amazing. (laughs) We think so, too. We love her. So to start, will you tell our listeners just a little bit about you and a little bit about art? What do you do? Okay. That's a big old question, isn't it? Yes, it Um, is. So I am a (laughs) painter, mostly. I also teach and I also do or try to do uh, some curation when I can as a way to give back. And uh, But I, I'm first and foremost a painter in, in the studio full-time about two years now and part-time teaching at Kimball Jenkins and now Ava Gallery in Lebanon. And I explore kind of like vernacular architecture through mostly acrylic paintings. And yeah, it's, uh, it's a grand old time. That's awesome. So I probably first saw your art maybe three or four years ago, and it was because of the Rochester Museum of Fine Arts. And it (laughs) caught my eye because I happen to work in housing advocacy. And so I see houses and I get excited. And so I really like your your sort of themes. You mentioned on your website that your work explores themes of urbanization, Americana, and collective memory. I'm dying to know sort of where this started. Like what inspired that and why is that your subject matter? You know, I think it was just from these kind of micro road trips I go on where I'd kind of just choose a direction and go. And it was kind of post-college when that's kind of that the little bit of existential dread of I have no idea what I want to do with my life <laughs> yep. other than paint hits you. Yep. And, um, you know, just kind of working odd jobs and things like that. And they were my way of just kind of escaping. Sometimes I'd bring a friend, sometimes I'd go solo, but you just pick a direction and drive. Yeah. And there are certain towns you go through that some of the houses seem to have a presence to them. And I was working kind of abstractly before or working with kind of dissolving forms and disintegrating buildings. And over time, they just became a theme that I'd keep coming back to. And the cool thing about architecture is you can kind of create narratives in the windows. They can be a shell to express a lot of things. So that's where they started. And they've evolved slowly into kind of different things and atmospherics and scenes and things like that. That's really cool. Have you sort of picked up stuff about architecture along the way? Like, could you name if a house was like Victorian versus mid century modern? Really? <laughs> Not really. You know, Me either. Yeah, I mean, I, I can a little bit. I think like I have a something that I like a, a certain type type of house that I keep coming back to. And I, I use the term like vernacular, meaning like things that are ubiquitous, like no matter where you go in the country. Like you can mm-hmm. see like I was down in um, Savannah, Georgia, and like the architecture is like remarkably similar for like the triple decker apartment building. So there's something cool about that, that like wherever you go in the country, you'll have this memory attached with this building. Yeah. So I really like that. And also 
also with that a kind of empty shell or like very familiar, I try to kind of inject very personal specific memories into it from my own experiences. So it's this kind of cool, immediately familiar, and then it's a way for me to put my own story in the buildings. That's really neat. I've noticed that you've also, aside from just doing exterior, you do interior as well as in windows looking out from houses. And is that something that you kind of evolved into or started with it or where was that in the timeline i'm not sure i think it was just a way to kind of explore the universe of whatever building i was like Mm. you know i I work very sequentially with like based on the region so i kind of toggle between more more rural and coastal and more urban settings so they were just a way to kind of explore different viewpoints and also the cool thing about the windows is with the window sill you can put a still life you can create just different narratives with it that you can't looking out i've been playing now with like reflections in the window so maybe some figures or things like that so it's just been a way to kind of riff on the same theme but for different subjects and are you uh setting up your easel and painting right there or are you taking a photo or is it all from memory It's kind of a combination. I actually collage a lot of things in my work. So it's generally the view from outside of the window is from one place or one memory. The the interior is generally from my apartment. And and the same, honestly, with a lot of the the exteriors too, where all the windows might be different photographs from different houses and things like that. Or the sky might be like kind of a flashball memory from childhood. Like I grew up in the Midwest. So there's a certain color the sky turns before tornado. This is a crazy, vibrant green. So I often put that in my painting. So a lot of times it's like combining three or four different scenes in a painting and kind of I use Photoshop to kind of make a collage out of it and then paint it pretty literally from there. Yeah. So it's it's lots of different things. But I, I'd, I'd love to play in air. It's just like who has time. Yeah. <laughs> yep. And especially if you're checking out a house somewhere, you yeah. know, just like. Hey, dude, I'm on your lawn. <laughs> yep. I, I really like your house's yep. d- design. Yeah, you don't want to be perched outside <laughs> yeah. of somebody's house. It's weird enough sometimes just taking photos of yep. strangers' yeah. homes, you know? And we've asked this with other guests before. Has anyone recognized their house in your work? Not yet. I'm, like, waiting <laughs> for it. I'm waiting for it. It has not happened. Do people send you pictures of houses, though, or, are like, paint my house next? Yeah, yeah. I, I had to stop. <laughs> I had to stop. I just, like, there's, I, I now say, like, send me a couple photos if it's something I would already paint, I'll yeah. take mm-hmm. the commission because I think like, <laughs> yeah, I, I just like I've accepted too many just like grainy, poorly lit, like, I don't know, McMansion. <laughs> like, I don't know. I just can't do it anymore. It's a little soul crushing. I think when someone's asking for that, they're capturing, you know, the nostalgia and beauty of their house and it it's personal to them. So it makes sense. But yeah. what you're doing is more the characteristic of the house or, you know, whatever the subject is in itself, you know, I feel like there might be sometimes a detachment to that. The vibe that you're getting from it is going to be detached from the memories they have of their baby's yeah. first step or something. Yeah, that's a astute observation. Yeah, I think it is. It's that. And it's also yeah. like I, I choose very, very plain facades mm. so that like I, I generally avoid anything that has a lot of like ornate detail, like Victorian houses or okay. things like that. Or if it is, it's kind of the very sparse Victorians, like the ones that are kind of like Hitchcocky, you know, yeah. just like house on the top <laughs> of the hill that's a bit haunted. But I think like I like things in the windows. Like a lot of times I'll have like a tie-dye blanket or something in the window, little kind of flashes of something more, you know, in the windows. So sometimes having a super ornate home kind of detracts from 
what I'm able to do with it. I like that it kind of tells you something about the person in the house, though. Like, they have a tie-dye, like, sheet in their window. Yeah, what does yeah. that mean? Like, who are they? Yeah, for sure. Yeah, yeah it's kind of a, you can create little narratives with it. As I go forward with it, I think I'm starting to get bored with that, though, so I might start incorporating, like, figures. What if there's a person, like, sitting on the stoop smoking a cigarette? Or, like, you know, what if there's just a bike chained up? Or something? You can create little narratives out of it. I want to hear a little bit about why you started creating. Was this a, a childhood thing for you? I, I feel like I've been creating since as long as I can remember you know I just like have little memories of like creating little jungle scenes like from my from my first memories or I would always play with like Legos you know I was always creating something so there and I always wanted to be an artist like uh, it was always kind of something that I knew I wanted to do so yeah I think I've always been doodling drawing I'm also a highly finicky person so I think just having like something to doodle on was just like always natural to me. And I think it's just serendipity that I stumbled into art versus something like woodworking or sculpture. Right. You know what I mean? I th- it was always going to be something with my hands. Yeah. So I could just, for as long as I remember, I could just not sit still. Yeah. So I think, yeah, I've, I've always made art. It's... In middle school, high school, was there that moment of like, oh, you need to think about the future and and have a job job? Or was it always, you know, I'm going to go to school for art and I'm going to be an artist and maybe teach, you know? Ironically, I wanted to be an architect for a little bit because of that. And it all works out. It all works out. It all all loops back around (laughs) and makes perfect logic. But then I went into an architectural firm and they said, oh, you're actually responsible. The architect is fully responsible for the structural engineering, (laughs) making sure it doesn't (laughs) fall down, all the responsibilities. And I just said, no, (laughs) that's too much responsibility. That's too much pressure. I just want to. So I didn't end up doing that. And I think um, luckily I had parents that were supportive of my decision to try to become an artist because I think it was something that had been something that was since early, early childhood. Mm, yeah. There was always that nagging up until about two years ago or something like that where it's like, <laughs> well, I don't know, like radiology is pretty well-paying. It can be a good part-time <laughs> job, you know? <laughs> like it was always that um, up until fairly recently but yeah it was a pretty set path for me that's really cool so are your parents creative did you grow up in a creative house no i didn't at all um so well my mom knits that counts okay. yep. and yes. she did a lot of sewing <laughs> and my dad did dabble with woodworking okay but i think they're but, very pragmatic people right much more utilitarian yes, crafts absolutely yeah. mm-hmm. and um but i think it was it's been good for me to have people that are that kind of staunchly pragmatic not not in a bad way at all, but yeah. just like kind of have good wits about them with like business and making sure you don't starve. <laughs> like things like that are important <laughs> as an artist. Yep. So I think having actually people from a different perspective um, and that are also like honestly my biggest fans like has been more meaningful than having like growing up in say like a gallery. I mean, I haven't had the experience. I don't know, but, (laughs) but um, no, but it's, I, I'm very appreciative to have parents that were from a very different background. That's really cool. Actually. Do you have siblings? Two, yeah. yeah. Are they into the arts at all or Not creativity? Really. We have like have all bases. My brother's a, more of a science guy. He works as a nuclear engineer. And my younger brother played college hockey for a little bit and was like kind of a, always been into sports and things like that. Works for New Balance, so it's kind of like. And then I'm the art kid, so it's like <laughs> we got the we got all bases covered. The trifecta, uh, yeah, the trifecta, <laughs> indeed. That's really cute. Yeah, I mean, we've been so we've been doing this podcast for two and a half years now, and we have been asking. I think since the very 
beginning, mm-hmm. like is art and creativity, is it nature or nurture? Is it genetic? Is it like something that happens or a great art teacher or something like that? And it sounds like the answer is like, we have no idea. It's, it's a combination. Both, yeah. Yeah, yeah, it's everything. Yep. Yeah, yes. you never yeah. know. You yeah. never know. Uh, yeah, it's it's been, I think like, but I'm also adopted. So who knows? Oh, you know? interesting. So it could be. You know, and I don't know my biological parents to put a big old curveball in the conversation. They could be like famous artists. Uh, could be. Who knows? <laughs> oh, they could be living man. in Spain Musicians, somewhere. Yeah. Photographers. Could be. Yeah. Damn. Or like scientific study about like, you know, nature versus nurture. Mm. I know. And actually, like, I, I recently got the adoption papers and it has um, the interest is like engineering and drawing. So who knows? Who wow. knows? So it could be kind of a genetic thing or based on like my upbringing mm-hmm. of just like spending a lot of time alone, you know, when I was super young, you know? Yeah. Yeah. yeah sometimes we found it's just the opportunity of someone saying like, oh, do you want to come do something with me? Or a specific teacher kind of unlocking right. the gate for yep. someone, but did they already have it within them? Yep. Our foundation of creative guts is that everyone is creative. Everyone has creativity. It's just another muscle. Some people exercise it way more than others. You I know? get that. It's, yeah, it's absolutely. there. Yeah. And so part of having folks like you on is to kind of say to people like, you can just do this and hear some inspiring words from this gentleman, you know? Yeah. Yep. Absolutely. I love it. I yeah, love absolutely. It. And so you're working in primarily acrylic yeah. with your work. Have you dabbled with other media? Like, are there ones that you're just like, oh, I won't touch oil? Watercolor is the worst. Really? <laughs> yeah, but but uh, but I, I'm gonna explore it at some point. It's like uh, it, I put it off for too long. I yeah. love gouache. I used to start underpaintings in acrylic and then move to oil. Mm-hmm. But sometimes I would like want to go back to the acrylic, and there's no going back after that. Right. Mm-hmm. So I think I just like for simplicity's sake. You know, just kind of like finish smaller work in acrylic. If I'm working on like a, I don't know, three by four foot painting, I'll generally switch over to oil just yeah. so I can really hone in the values and things like that. Because mm-hmm. there's something about acrylic where like it shifts a semitone darker when it dries, mm-hmm. which if you're trying to work on something for a very long time and my paintings are extremely obsessive, like it's just like that little shift in value can become deeply frustrating. So yeah. at that point, I'll switch over to oil. But if I'm doing something that's like, I don't know, 16 by 20 or something like that, generally keep it simple with acrylic. Mm-hmm. You have a very specific color palette. Have you always just been drawn to the colors that you choose or and the tonality of them? I think New England's just pretty gray. <laughs> 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 I, I just have to. Yeah, You're not I, wrong. Yeah, I think just because I'm fortunate to have done a, a decent amount of traveling, and you know, I always kind of like go other places, and like I don't know, parts of the Mediterranean, there's these like vibrant, rich like oranges and reds, and like <laughs> I don't know, the South has this like certain vibrancy to it. Like California has its own colors, and then you just like fly back into New England, it's like always a little bit grayer <laughs> than anywhere else you travel to. So I think it is like, but it's like a charm. I've I've like come to love the grays of New England especially like spending most of my life in Maine, there's that kind of like hazy grayish green yep. that's like, like for me, I always come back to in my paintings. It's definitely very Maine. Have you ever worked on a different subject other than architecture, houses, windows, and used a more vibrant color palette? Or has it always kind of been regionally associated? You know, I've been itching to do some portraits. And, or I'm either going to do portraits or I'm going to mess with the subject matter and have the the color palette be the op. I spent a portion of my childhood in Detroit. I was born in Detroit. 
Um, and there's a lot of the buildings are just falling apart. Mm -hmm. Um, there's, there's a lot of kind of like urban decay there. It's having like a major resurgence and I, I can't say a bad word about Detroit. I absolutely love the place, but there's a lot of like this really kind of engaging urban decay. So I've been thinking about kind of growing up with that and memories of that and thinking of like dilapidated buildings and things like that, but painting them in a very vibrant palette. So kind of like shifting, you know, the because right now I have like pretty like standard issue houses Mm -hmm. and then kind of adding a moodiness through the grayness. But I think if I have something that's a little bit dilapidated, a little bit creepy, I wouldn't want to keep the gray palette because mm-hmm. it just look a little like just painting like a haunted house and it's boring yeah. <laughs> i don't know so i think if i do it yeah. as a print, vibrant palette it'd kind of make i have interesting. a series cool. that i've never released and it's only half it's only a little bit started it's a digital series though and it's um apocalyptic scenes that are very beautiful and vibrant so there's it. a lot of decay and it's not necessarily architecture it could be like an abandoned well like a gas station or a car or something but the and and it's it's normal. It's a little muted, but then the whole nature around it is exploding with like almost neon surreal That's colors. Fantastic. And I just, oh. I, you know, a beautiful apocalypse is just what I want to call it. Cause I love apocalypse stuff too. That's yeah. like my jam, <laughs> but I want to make a pretty apocalypse. Like yeah, there we go. Maybe yeah. it'll be a good, I, I, I think thing. it's very like suitable to the times too. Yeah. <laughs> real. Uh, yeah. Although I've been obsessed with apocalypse for six or seven years now it's okay it's like one of my like my favorite genre love but, it yeah but let's make it pretty damn it yeah. <laughs> exactly yeah yes oh so interesting so on your bio on your website you wrote that you are engaged in growing the art scene in new hampshire which is something we especially love to hear because we're into that too do you want to tell us more about what does the art scene need here how yeah. you're involved with it what you're thinking with that i think every artist has like honestly to be an artist i think a major part of that is to be supportive of other artists i think that's a necessity of being an artist and to be supportive of the community whether it's curating shows whether it's like lining up opportunities for other artists whether it's like people like amy just saying hey i know this other person and he'd be a great match for this you know i think little things like that i think every artist has a duty to do to other artists just to like especially in places like new hampshire where it's kind of an uncharted terrain you know there's a gallery that pops up and it lasts a year and then it's gone so once every say like six months i try to do something big so i just got done with an incredible amount of help with a fellow artist who kind of inspired the project curating a show at kimball jenkins of like 120 artists which has been an insane undertaking did an open call and we were kind of holding our breath you know it could be like 40 it could be 60 it could be 80 and as I started to roll in like three yeah. days before, it was like, it was 80 and then a hundred yeah. and then 120 and then 138 <laughs> artists. And then I like, it hit us that, oh my God, that means we're going to have to hang like 350 pieces <laughs> oh <my God. laughs> just between me and Fallon Ray, who's uh, the co-creator and she's done an insane amount of work on it as well. Wow. Um, so yeah. So that was kind of my, my giving back for, uh, for the, a good six months, I think. <laughs> uh, but I think like lining up opportunities or curating shows or you know even if just volunteering for a gallery or something is incredibly important yeah yeah 
gosh, that sounds like a lot of work. <laughs> yes, yes, it was. It was. Is that the salon? Yes, that's the yeah. salon show. So Becky Barcy's in it, who yes. she has oh. one piece right there right now. And I was supposed to submit, and I missed the deadline. Oh, that's fine. That's fine. <laughs> but Becky was like, get your stuff in. And yep. I was like, oh, shoot, it's tough timing. Oh, you know, it's it was good that you didn't. They were already overwhelmed. I would have given you one more to hang. Oh, no, we would have taken, we were even like, uh, Fallon and I were even like driving places to pick up work for people oh, to make wow. the deadline. Oh, my it was just like, yeah, we were just like, I don't know. It was such a. You're very nice. Yeah, a, a little too nice sometimes, <laughs> to be honest. Um, but no, I think uh, it was the most incredible experience because I, I think neither of us knew what was going to come in. Mm-hmm. I think it was like took a massive leap of faith because it was also an unjured show. So we let everybody in and we spread the word the best we could and we plugged like all the right places kind of thing that to kind of have the most open, but also like make sure there's like also like just a good diverse range of mm-hmm. work from yeah. professional artists and museum showing people to just like, I don't know, just a first time. For, yeah, exactly. Or yeah. like even somebody who's like never shown before, but has been working on a painting for painting for a very long time, mm-hmm. but has been intimidated by the gallery circuit you know uh Bowie in kittery does that with the rpm RPM. and so when i saw you guys were doing that i was like oh i wish i got my stuff together but what is so i think critical for that is to show the the diverse range but also for those folks that have never shown before are really intimidated by the exhibition process like i think that is so important because I've been that artist that didn't know what to do in college or right out of college and having a supportive group of folks put it together like oh just means a million bucks well and also like it's it's amazing to see like people that haven't shown before have work that's on par with people that have been Mm -hmm. showing for 20 years like I think that's what was the most like exciting part of it I hope that it just encourages people to continue to make because I remember like graduating college and I didn't think I had a shot of being like having gallery representation or even like like showing like that felt like such a weird abstract thing mm-hmm. you know what i'm trying to push is just more on ramps for artists to that gallery circuit it's hard to to think about you know i, I run into the same 20 30 artists no matter where i go mm-hmm. you know and i think it's a very select group of people that has the privilege to you know be represented by these galleries and i think it's it's the kind of thing with the gallery world that once you have been represented and had a bunch of shows it almost like the gallery has a vested interest in keeping propping you up mm-hmm. and making sure you keep selling and that just becomes a self-perpetuating thing the people that are represented which i'm i'm i get the that's awesome for me but it's like there's a, there's a lot of people that are outside of that and the more on ramps and community organizing you can do to to create more on ramps for people because it's sometimes it's like people that are represented aren't necessarily the best artists you know right. yeah. there's, there's some people that have been like i don't know not posting sharing their work at all painting in some garage that might have the most mind-blowing work that yeah the world uh, has ever seen you know? yep gosh that's so true yeah yeah I've, I've had a couple interesting conversations lately, including our interview with Amy Regan about curating as an art form. Like it's curating is not a science, so it's definitely an art, yes. right? And so what does that kind of, what does that mean when you're like putting this sort of creative energy into curating? Like it's you using your creative brain, like is curating an art? I absolutely. And it also, I, I think it, 
especially with the salon show, there was a lot of debate between my co-curator and I. Just like, because we had these 300 some odd pieces that all over the map stylistically all over the map like honestly skill wise sometimes all over the map in terms of material everything and it like we went back and forth about do we even break up the artists you know it was like every artist could have like five pieces do we do we highlight this what we feel is the strongest work obviously decided against that against a lot of pushback like because it's just it wouldn't honor the the nature of the show but yeah. there's all those little things that become like how do you best honor the work right like we decided to break it up kind of thematically it's like uh it's kind of a an earthy wood section you know just okay. like and then <laughs> there's like a crazy geometric abstraction section so and then you think about for me it's like what piece like kind of vibes with the piece that's yeah. next to it and how do you best you know make sure that it doesn't all bleed together into mush but like how do you Right. Make sure it doesn't clash. So I think it's definitely like, I mean, that the, this show is like fresh on my mind, but I think <laughs> it's all about kind of like, how do you best honor each individual piece and yeah. also not put your ego into it too much to let the work be the thing that is dominant rather than your creation. I think that's... Yeah. Gosh, that's interesting. I'm thinking about different ways that you could like get creative with it. Like even like a like a color sort of yeah, scheme, like yeah, all yeah. the blues are together yep, and like exactly. you make a rainbow around the room and like how neat that would be. And even when you do that with, with any situation, but especially that you're going to have so many people connecting all the artists that attend, say, the reception opening or even yeah. just view it. They're going to be connecting and they're going to see fellow yeah. artists who maybe tackled the same color in a very different way. Absolutely. And that springs up conversations and then it opens up the art community to connect even further. For sure. Which is like the whole big point. Let's talk a little bit about teaching art. Because okay. certainly, so you said you're teaching at Kimball Jenkins School of Art, and that's yep. in Concord, right? And then you named another place in Lebanon? Uh, yes, Ava Gallery, okay. an art center. That's great. And so what kind of things are you teaching, and are you sort of enjoying that experience? It's definitely different than doing. And yes. what In what age ages are you teaching? Um, adults. Okay. Adults, okay. yeah. I did teach fairly soon out of college, around like uh, early 20s, and I was kind of thrown into it and had no idea what I was doing. And it was a grand old time. I was actually teaching printmaking at Kimball Jenkins, kind of taking it over, but there was nothing in the room because the previous instructor had only taught monotypes. <laughs> so I was like, there's something I probably shouldn't like mention. <laughs> like, it's like very DIY, you know, ferric acid and Tupperware, you know, just like oh, yeah. very, very just kind of like figuring it out and probably made a ton of mistakes with that. But it was an incredible experience. And I think it was a good first teaching experience because I think it, it allowed me to to kind of realize that kind of hone my teaching philosophy of like good teaching is kind of yeah. like being with the students and kind of asking questions and having them direct the course a little bit because it was kind of this weird DIY thing where it's like we're in it together you know <laughs> let's figure this out and it was a very like hands-on experience but yeah I think I really love teaching because it, it allows you to try to understand so many different ways of thinking so many different ways of processing so many different ways of creating and so many different backgrounds and having to navigate that is is one of the best things and yeah. you know it I, I probably gain more from my students than I do <laughs> a lot of people just from my <laughs> own art as well which is the nice little selfish thing about teaching too yeah were you teaching folks that had never experienced that medium before or art at all yeah yeah it's actually it's an interesting mix at both Ava Gallery and Kimball Jenkins because sometimes I'll get you know they graduated from RISD like 
20 years ago and kind of drifted off into something else. Or you get somebody that has is like a, just a fan of my work and wants to take a, a class with me. Or you have somebody, yeah, a lot of people have just never painted before. And I think that's the best part to kind of introduce someone to art because I think there's a lot of misconceptions about learning art or learning how to draw yeah. and just to, to have somebody's kind of like, you know, not world changed a little bit, but just to have, you know, a little richer, you know, it's, yep. it's yeah. a good experience, yeah. a good experience, especially when they, when they keep at it, you know, one of the best experiences when you get those little emails after the fact like a month later and they send you a little picture of what they're working on, you oh. know, it's like, it's, it's the best thing um, in the world. And I think just to, to, to know how passionate and like how meaningful it is to my life to just share that with somebody else is just a, I think it goes back to the, like, I think being an artist can be a very honestly selfish and self-involved thing, you know, <laughs> you know? So I think like having opportunities to teach kind of keeps you in check for that uh, and, and keeps you giving back. And I think it's the same with creation. Yeah. That. Gosh, that's great. I mean, one of our goals as an organization is to like reach those people who don't identify as artists or identify as creatives and just like tear down those barriers and not make it intimidating and make it fun instead and like just come play. Like art is fun. So I love that. Mm -hmm. It is. Yeah. No, I think that's something that I I also have to remind myself of that in the yeah. studio because yeah. especially it's right now it's, you know, it can also be really financially and like business wise stress. Very <laughs> stressful. I, I mean, <laughs> losing my words God. <laughs> like uh, yeah. yeah just yeah it, it's an extremely <laughs> stressful job to have as an artist I mean I haven't had many other real jobs but, <laughs> but you know uh, I, I have to say like from my personal experience uh, being a professional artist can be an extremely stressful thing you're a small business owner yeah. who is typically solo so yeah. it's also very isolating and you're it sort is. of freaked out am I doing the right thing and and you know gosh, I'm stuck doing right. all these things. I don't know how to do accounting. Yeah. I don't know how to, yeah, Exactly. You know, it's like, I, I, yeah. I need a tax person now. Yeah, you know? yeah, oh my yeah. God. Yeah. Going back in and teaching and remind yourself like what art is really about. Mm -hmm. It's about play and, and experimentation. And it's not about, unfortunately, to be a professional artist, you almost have to commodify yourself Ugh. intensely. Yeah. Um, and you have to commodify your work intensely and you have to make sure that it's uh, commercially viable within the gallery world. Which is, you know, and that's not necessarily even like any hokey marketing. It's like kind of thinking a lot about, you know, what is the art I produce and kind of obsessing about that. But then you, you meet a student that just wants to feed their dog. <laughs> it's like, okay, <laughs> yeah. this is great. This is wonderful. Like it doesn't have to be this hyper serious, highly conceptual thing. It can just be, you know, just, I want to, I want to paint my house from mm -hmm. childhood. Yep. And then that, that brings me right back to just like kind of my initial draw to art. Yeah. Well, it's funny. One of the things I was going to ask you is if you sort of have strategies for when you get burned out or frustrated or just sort of over the like business part of it to get back into like art is fun how do I like return to that place where like I really yeah, love it that's a really great question because that's it's something I'm actually facing now I had like the pandemic was a deeply intense experience for me there was like I had a couple shows canceled and I was like what am I going to do so I kind of had to figure out something and luckily like the Artist community delivered. It happened to be like a program in London or like an initiative in London called Artist Support Pledge, where artists pledge to, um, for every five pieces sold under in everything's under $200 to buy one other piece by one of the artists in the pledge. Ooh. So what happened cool. was it created this self sustaining like ecosystem of art and it became like 
like thousands of artists. But with that, it happened to be based in London. So I had to figure out like international shipping on yep. the go. Yes. During the pandemic, I had to figure out how to set up a web shop. It was a, that was pretty, it was fun, but like it was a intense way to kind of have mm, to. And yep. then it, it was kind of the, the gallery thing started to took, take off from that. And yeah, I don't know where I was going with that. But. <laughs> and I, I see yeah. you use Big Cartel. Are you enjoying it? Yeah, yeah. I like it. I yeah. like it. I do. <laughs> yeah, I can recommend. Can recommend. Yep. Yeah. I'm a fan too. Yep. Yeah. I think I stole it. Who did I steal that from? I don't know. It doesn't matter. <laughs> I, saw from some, I saw Wrong Brain had one. And I was like, oh, that's cool. What is Big Cartel? Like, it sounds... Yeah. You know, yeah, tough guy, and uh, and then I was like, "Oh, this is awesome! This is so wonderful!" So. Yeah, well, then definitely. Becky did one because you did, and then Megan, Megan did, one did one because yeah. Becky did. Yeah, yeah, it's great. It's great. Yeah, it's tumbleweed <laughs> there. Um, so what would happen if you won a ton of money? What would your creative oh life look like? You know, I think I'd start like a nice little little, little gallery or something, a little gallery slash art yeah. school. I had a dream of having like a, a plant shop that was also a gallery. You know what I mean? Like like kind of a jungle. You know what I mean? I think it'd be really cool. I think there's something very like neutral about plants. Yeah. So I think it, I don't know, it's probably the most hipster thing ever. I would but, definitely but be, go there. I think it'd be fun. Um, but yeah, I think, I, I think I'd probably, but I always go back and forth. It's like at the end of the day, all I really want to do is paint. So it's like I always kind of like... Um, finding myself always bouncing back and forth between, you know, wanting to own a gallery and create a bunch versus just what can I do to paint constantly? <laughs> and I feel like it's it's always a constant battle. But if you had a million dollars, you could hire someone to do oh, all the grunt stuff you don't want to do. So true. you can do the that's fun curating true. part and say, go do all the business part, sit in the gallery and that is man a fair it. Point. And then you'd also be giving someone a job within the art world, which we always need more of. Economic development. <laughs> okay, okay, I'm gonna be behind it. Okay. And then you can, you know, have a space and do your own work and just touch base once in a while and but it's your gallery. No, that is wonderful. See, I think I think the thing about like having a million dollars for me that just sounds like stress. <laughs> I don't know. That seems like a lot of lot of responsibility. I go to bed sometimes just thinking about if I had that, what I would do, and it very much looks like a gallery uh, on the first floor with a space for creative guts on the second floor. I love that. With me painting on the third floor. Yeah, like, that it sounds just, great. Yeah, all in one. Yeah, I think some kind of like. Yeah, some kind of like gallery, art school, my studio, mm, and yeah. probably rentable studio spaces too. Yep. I think like, like that's huge. Yeah. 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 I think there's such a shortage, especially like in places like New Hampshire. I think everywhere uh -huh. there's such a shortage of affordable studio spaces. So yeah, yeah. that'd probably be a big part of it because there's nice, there's so many nice little communities of studio spaces too. Time for rapid, rapid fire. fire. Yeah. Okay. So rapid fire questions, quick questions with quick answers. What other artist has influenced you the most? Way too many. That is that is not a rapid fire <laughs> question. Um, I love you and Aglo, Antonio Lopez Garcia. I also get an incredible amount of inspiration just from like fellow artists that are making right now. I think that's honestly what I steal from the most. There was like a, a show I had in Cambridge that was uh, jurored by Josephine Halverson, who's one of my favorite artists, and I was so nervous to meet her because literally I steal everything from her <laughs> like i don't know I, I steal from other artists that are making right now constantly including like uh, a lot of new hampshire and like local artists as well i love that yeah. that is so cool all right 
Everyone gets one unique rapid fire that no one else gets. One question okay. just for you. This is Taylor just for you. Oh, man. What is your favorite house in a film? Ooh. Ooh. I, I'm not sure I have one. I mean, like, I mentioned the Hitchcock, but I don't even know. Is it the is it Psycho? Yes. Is that, yeah, I think that, that, for whatever reason, my mind always goes back to that house of, like, something that is, like, the house seems to have an intense presence to it that's up on the hill. Oh. There was also that, like, the funky house in Scissorhands, wasn't there? The, the oh, house my God. I love that movie. Yeah. yeah. Yes. Yeah, so I think yeah, I do I do actually pull from movies a lot, but I don't know if I have a favorite house. I like a lot of like Hitchcock mm-hmm. like architectural yeah. setups, like rear window has I that. was just going to say yeah. that that's my favorite Hitchcock movie. I, I always go back to like the architecture of that. Yeah. <laughs> so good. That's a good question. Yeah. That's a good question. <laughs> What's your favite color? Oh, cerulean blue is pretty great. And gray. <laughs> I was going to joke gray. Yeah, gray. I, I love, yeah, like a like a dusty Payne's gray, I feel like is is really nice and yeah. soothing. But to be happy, I think cerulean blue is also really nice. <laughs> well, I love that, too, because it immediately made me think of the Devil Wears Prada. Yeah, there we go. There we go. That's it. What's your favorite scent to smell? Ooh, I feel like, like something like sandalwood or like patchouli. It might be cliche, but. Such a hippie. Patchouli is pretty good. <laughs> <laughs> What's your favorite sound? Ooh. This is going to sound like wicked, just kind of cheesy, but I do like the sound of rain. I feel like the yeah. sound of rain is really yes. nice. Like on a super heavy rain on a roof. It's a good sound. What's your favorite texture to touch? Ooh. I feel like grass is pretty great. I feel like like it's like a it's like nature's shag rug. Like, I don't know. Like, I don't know. Like, do you like put your hands in it and like yeah. rip it up or do you Ooh, just no, I'm just a, I'm just I just lay in it. Yeah, of course. I don't do that. Yeah. Don't <laughs> Why would I do that to nature? Why would you destroy nature like that? That's terrific. Yeah, no, I feel like I uh, just lie a nice like there's nothing like especially if the sun's been on in a minute, you know? It's mm. just a nice warm rug. Stare yeah. up at the clouds a little bit. Yep. Pretty oh, great. Yeah. Pretty great. Sounds like a good day. A plus. A plus. <laughs> um, I think I particularly, so everyone gets this question, but I think I particularly like this question for you. What's the most inspiring location you've traveled to? Ooh. It's one that I haven't l- tapped into, but I've, I've wanted to. I might do try to do a residency out there, but I think Greece was the one. Athens, Greece was the most inspiring place I've been because it's, it's this incredible mix of like kind of honestly back to like urban decay like every surface is covered in street art but you have these like little moments of historic architecture kind of like dotting the landscape so it's this incredible layering of history through the just how the city was built so this this incredible mix of like just thousands of years of history settled in one place it, it's a truly incredible place and I think it's like it, it's gritty in, in a way that's also really really unique so i think athens and also another place i was in greece called meteora which is like you drive into it and it looks like something on a dr seuss you have these like incredible pillaring rock formations that just go straight up into the sky and it's this kind of like super quaint mediterranean village that is like settled into it so it's 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 the most like mind-blowing place and there's like little monasteries like scattering the landscape cool it's i really, want to go yeah no <laughs> I, I i can't like recommend greece so i probably talk about it way too much but. <laughs> next question what's the last new thing you've learned um, some cooking tips on pasta. How, how, do you, how do you use like pasta water the right way? Ooh. I don't know. I've Ooh. been trying to. I've been in a YouTube rabbit hole for cooking lately since I've <laughs> broken my ankle. So and it's the know. season for cooking. It is. It is. It is. I'm trying to. I'm trying to up my game. I'm trying to infuse that flavor properly. It's important. It's important. Uh, clincher question. 
If you could go back in time, what advice would you give your younger self? It's going to be okay. <laughs> It'll all work out. Don't worry about it. Don't sweat it. Yeah, I think I spent advice. so much time stressing about, like, if I was going to make it, if it was a good decision, if it was, like, I think a lot of, and if there's any, like, younger artists that are listening to this, I think, like, yeah, just stop wasting your time with that. <laughs> it's not going to change anything. <laughs> I think I wasted, there were so many sleepless nights of like, did, did I make the wrong decision? Like, oh my God, like, why did I go to art school? Like all these kind of like major worries of making the wrong decision when the whole time I could have just, instead of doing that, I could have been just painting <laughs> and, like, <laughs> and trusting my gut with it, you know? Mm -hmm. So I, I think that's what I would say to myself for sure. I wonder how that worry influenced your art. <laughs> yeah, maybe it was a positive motivator. I don't know. I feel like like I feel like 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 ten percent of oh my god, am I gonna make it? Oh my god, am I gonna starve? Keeps you going. I don't yeah. know. But yeah. anything more than that, and then you just give up. <laughs> yeah. Thank you so much. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you so much for having me. It this was really great. great. It's been so cool to talk to you and Thank you so hear much. about all the stuff you're doing for the community and what your work means to you. It it means a lot to us. Thank you so much. All right. So thank you again so much for being on the show. And with that, show, show us, us your creative guts. Another huge thank you to Mike for joining us on Creative Guts. That was such an inspiring discussion. Like always, when we interview creatives, I just want to race home and start making. I loved hearing about why he paints his subject matter, how he chooses his color palette, and how passionate he is about the art community in New Hampshire. I'm so glad I had the opportunity to meet with you, Mike, and I can't wait to see what you do next. I loved everything about our conversation with Mike. He's such a natural speaker in his passion for his art, but more importantly, his passion for supporting other artists, keeping art fun and growing the art scene here in gray, gray New England was just incredibly inspiring. I've always liked Mike's art, but it turns out I like Mike too. Check out Mike's work online at MikeHowitt.com and on Instagram where his handle is Mike underscore Howitt. As always, you can find those links and more in the episode description and on our website, creativegutspodcast.com. And come hang out with us on Facebook and Instagram, where our handle is at creativegutspodcast. Thank you for tuning in. We'll be back next Wednesday with another episode of Creative Guts. <laughs> that was <Okay>. good. <laughs> and continue. <laughs> and we'll like... <laughs> <laughs> creative guts okay well i guess you made a blooper with that somebody had to do it, it wasn't you today <laughs> miracles do happen <laughs>